Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie. Lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. All right, everyone, wherever you are and however you may be listening, welcome to the February 28th edition of the Sports Rivals. Ernie, it's time we transition from the NFL to the NBA and March Madness is right around the corner. We'll touch briefly on the major league situation. The lockout continues. But first, the Los Angeles Rams are the Super Bowl champs. <laughs> oh, sorry, gang. I'm still stuck on that. It's been two weeks, but I still can't talk about that. Okay, Ernie, the NBA. I think one of the things that uh, we're down to about a month left Less than 20 games or around 20 games in your East. The situation really hasn't changed much. The Celtics, your Celtics are still in that sixth spot. Mm -hmm. Um, There's still only a five-game gap between number one Miami and number six Boston. Not a whole lot that happened this week other than James Harden finally got into action. Philadelphia won a couple of games, the, the first two games with the Harden and Bede combination. But you have a different take. You don't think that they look very impressive. No, but, you, you know, I, I knew the other podcast I did mention that I, I think this makes Philadelphia the favorite. But after looking at those first two games, I don't know, it's a small sample size and everything. They they look beatable. I think what they gave up in, in, in Drummond and uh, Curry is was a lot in exchange for, and it may be even more, be more debilitating if... Harden has one of those off nights. I mean, you see a big drop-off when Embiid is out there. Uh, the center position is wide open. That's where a lot of teams can uh, really make their run. Uh, Harden in himself, he's had two great games. I don't think he can put that up for 20 straight games. I mean, I mean, when they play together, when they're on their, the court together, I'm talking about Embiid and Harden, they're great, but they cannot play 20, I mean, 48 minutes that way. And the way that Doc Rivers is running, uh, basically running the team, he's trying to alternate them, making sure that at least one of those two are on the court at all time, which means that their time together is even more diminished. So basically what, what, what I've seen, and again, it's a small sample size. If that's their plan right now, uh, they look very vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, I think I think if you're a Sixer fan, you probably see it in a little bit different direction. You're probably a little bit optimistic because Harden went off, you know, in both games. They did win both games. But I tend to agree with you. I mean, I don't waver from the discussion we had a couple weeks ago after the trade. I mean, I, I think it makes them a little bit better this year, the Sixers, because Ben Simmons wasn't going to play anyway. But I don't think they're as good as Harden can be and as good as Embiid is. Depends on who they match up with. I don't think they match up well with Miami at all mm. because I think the combination of Lowry or Jimmy Butler will give Harden all he can handle. And then you have uh, Adebayo that can give Embiid some trouble and they've got a lot of depth. So I see Miami as a big obstacle for, for Philadelphia. And I, and I see Milwaukee in the same yeah, light. You know, I, I see Milwaukee being able to give, even if Embiid goes off, I think Drew Holiday can give Harden a hard time. Um, I don't see them as as being able to match up with those two teams. Even your Celtics. I mean, Embiid's going to kill the Celtics because the Celtics really don't have... I mean, you have Robert Williams that can give them a, a little bit of a hard time. But I think the defensive guards, I think Smart and White can give Harden a hard time. Mm-hmm. And then they don't have answers for Jalen Brown and Tatum. So... I, you know, maybe the Sixers are a little bit better than they would have been, but I still don't like their chances to run the table and advance out of the East. That's just my my perception right now. Uh, I still have Miami if they're healthy, and that's a big if because Jimmy Butler constantly gets hurt. Kyle Lowry is mm-hmm. old. Bam Adebayo's already missed six weeks. But if they're healthy, I think they have a lot of balance and a lot of depth um, and the defensive fortitude to, to lock things down. I like Miami. I like Milwaukee. Though yesterday I was shocked that the they Mets lost. went into Milwaukee and won. And won. You yeah. know, with Milwaukee, with their full roster, uh, Kyrie went off and, and they pulled one out late, which is really, really surprising. So on that note with the Nets, 
I wanted your thoughts on, it seems as if the new mayor of New York City is going to lift mm -hmm. the vaccine ban maybe by the end of March, which would mean that Kyrie can play every game from the end of the season through the playoffs. How big of a difference does that make for the Nets? I think that makes a tremendous difference. You know, and, and I, again, folks, uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a Kyrie apologist. Uh, I mean... Uh, the times that he spent with Boston were tumultuous times for me, hair pulling times. So I'm not uh, I, I'm not defending him. Uh, it's the right thing to do. Uh, again, I bring this up to all those caregivers who weren't vaccinated and uh, you know showed up to the hospital pulling double time shifts and whatnot. Uh, and now you're making different rules at different times uh, for this. Uh, to me, it should have been they should have followed the you know the general. Uh, status quo of the other states who, who didn't have this vaccine ban. But as far as Kyrie is concerned, as you, you can see from, uh, you know, what he did, the, uh, you know, earlier this week, you know, against the Milwaukee Bucks, that he makes a difference. Oh, he I definitely mean, makes I mean, a with, difference. With, with, with him and Durant, I think they can do damage. Uh, we'll wait to see what Ben Simmons produces. I mean, uh, I, I still think he has, you know, Things to prove, and I don't, I, I, I'm really not a believer that 20 games will do it for him. Uh, defensively, yes, but I think, uh, you know, they lost a lot when they gave up Harden. Uh, you know, I think that's a shot in the arm. Now, saying that, the next schedule is tough. Mm -hmm. The last 20, I, I, I believe, they, I think three quarters of the team that teams that they play are going to be over 500 so they're going to it's going to be a tough haul so uh they're going to need this but yeah Kyrie will help how much that will help I'm not sure I really I really think that uh Washington and New York are no way going to challenge them to unseat them from for them not making the playoffs so as long as they're whole Going into the play-in tournament, I think they'll they'll be one of the two teams to get into the play-in tournament. And whether they're seated seventh or eighth, I mean, let's see who's in that number one and number two seed and uh, see if they survived in that opening round match. But no one wants to see them. No, definitely. And I think I think the Kyrie situation or the vaccination situation in New York, if it does materialize by the end of March, let's just say it's the end of March. I think it's a game changer. I, I think if Kevin Durant, who's coming back next week, is healthy. Um, a healthy KD and a healthy Kyrie can beat anyone. Now, can they beat them four times? That's going to be that's going to be the yeah. question. I mean, KD almost beat Milwaukee last year virtually by himself. Mm -hmm. You know, so if the two of them are healthy, um, you just never know. Seth Curry, I think, is a great addition. I think there'll be a lot of shooting, but Ben Simmons. He's the enigma. I mean, does he even come back? If he yeah. come back, what can he give them? Yeah. Is it just defense rebounding? You know, even if it's just that, that might be enough to, to help them. But even that, I want to, you know, before we, we move on, and I want to talk about your, your Celtics and get your take on what's happened with them over the last two weeks and what you think their chances are. But before we leave the Nets, I do want to talk about Ben Simmons. You know, I, I understand that there are mental illness situations and, and it is a very, very serious thing that has to be dealt with. But in Ben Simmons' case right now, I don't understand how he's not in basketball shape at least. You know, while he was with Philadelphia, even if he hated the team, work with a trainer. But the fact that he's now getting in shape after the trade, to me as a professional, is completely unacceptable. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of what's happening now. It's not that he's not mentally prepared. At least that's not what they're saying. He's not physically prepared. He's a 24-year-old, 25-year-old professional athlete that should have been taking care of his body so that if and when he got the trade that he wanted, he was ready to go. Instead, he's going to be on the shelf for at least a month before he's ready. And just another, for me, just another bad taste in my mouth about what's going through his mind is it really was it really the Sixers because if it was really the Sixers then he should have been in the best shape of his life getting ready for the team that he got traded to instead he's not off to the best start in terms of creating a good impression on his net teammates yeah yeah no, I, I'll agree with you on top of that and I, I have a feeling it's 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 a little bit of both part mental illness uh 
you know, and, 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 and part getting into shape, I mean, part of getting into shape, I mean, you don't have to play the guy 30 minutes a game. I mean, even if you play him uh, in four, five-minute spurts, I mean, that'll get him into game shape. No, and, and I do understand that there's a difference between in shape, being in shape, and being in game shape. I mean, he's probably in shape. I know that he was working out. Uh, he, you know, these professional athletes do have, uh, you know, these expensive trainers that, uh, that you know, them uh, keep their bodies at least you know in professional shape but you know playing the game and you know having those uh going 110 percent and then slowing down to 15 percent and then you know just just go especially in the game of basketball where it's so fast-paced and whatnot uh you know that could take a toll and you know he's not the best shooter and you know that sh that shooting touch i believe maybe Maybe the coaching staff says, you know what, let's not put him in there just because of the shooting stuff. I mean, if, if, if that probably, if it doesn't start off well, the crowd will get on him and maybe that'll be just too much, you know. So maybe that plays part of it. Could but, be. But, but at the same time, at the same time, if, 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 I were, if I were a Nets fan, I'd be scratching my head right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I want him in the worst way to be mentally and physically healthy and go out there and be the Ben Simmons everybody expects. I just hope he's doing his part. You know, mm -hmm. you can be as compassionate, but at some point in time, he has to really want it. And he has to want it for himself and he has to put himself in the best position to succeed. So overall though, I, for me, a healthy KD and a healthy Kyrie that can play all the games is better than Harden and Embiid. So if those two are fully healthy and Kyrie's able to play, I vote the Nets above the Sixers wow. as well. I still, I still like the Heat. I still like the Bucks, but then the Nets would be right there with the Sixers for me. Then you're, I'm, I'm, you know what? Because I, I, I still think the Sixers, even though I, I, I said I don't think they're unbeatable, I still think they're gonna by by the time all is said and done, I think they're gonna get into that that, that number two spot. And wouldn't it be something if the if the Nets get into the seventh spot and they play each other in the first play, round? That would be. And that, that, would I mean, great. that could happen. I mean, now when Katie comes back, if he stays healthy the rest of the way, I think they're gonna work their way up, and I think they're gonna end up probably in the five or six spot. I think your Celtics and Bucks will move up. I think the Cleveland Cavaliers are gonna start to drop a little bit, although they proved me wrong the whole year. But let's talk about your Celtics. I mean, they're right in the same spot. For the most part, they're playing really, really good ball. They did get upset by Detroit a little bit while back. They got mm -hmm. upset today by the Pacers. Um, but overall, they've been playing really, really well. And I still like their chances. I, I really do like their chances to match up. There is nobody other than Milwaukee, because Giannis is such a difference maker, that I see as a mismatch for the Celtics. Yeah, and I even think with Milwaukee, I don't even think that's a mismatch. I mean, they played them... They they should have been 3-0 and against Milwaukee, to tell you the truth. The only Milwaukee win, they played each other three. Boston won two, Milwaukee won one. The Milwaukee win was by a bucket, and I think they should have won that game. Uh, but in, in, in any other case, they're, they're playing well, but they need to be healthy. And that's the big if with this team. I mean, uh, their two losses, they were missing a part of their starting five. I think they do have the, one of the best starting five. In the NBA, when they lost to Detroit, they were without Robert Williams and Marcus Smart. Uh, today's game against the Indianapolis, uh, Indiana Pacers, they were missing Al Horford. Uh, and you know what? Basically, basically, what I'm saying is, if with that starting five, I think they match up well with anybody. You miss even one player, and I'm talking Al Horford is even though he's not an offensive prowess like he used to be, he makes such a difference because when he's not there, Robert Williams takes on a totally different role. And today, Robert Williams was not Robert Williams. You know, so you take out Smart, you take out, well, obviously the Jays and Tatum and, and Brown uh, are there, and then you got Robert Williams. You need that five to stay healthy. Can they stay healthy from now until... June, if that, if you know that if that's when the NBA Finals are going to be, that's a tall order to say. So I like what they're doing. They got to show me that the bench can do a lot better than they've been doing right now. But you know, I'll take it from where from where the Celtics were back in December. I'll take it. Well, I would take it too. We'll get to why I would take it in a little bit. But Ernie, I mean, just looking at one through ten. 
Um, other than the Charlotte Hornets, who I think are still a little bit too young, still a little bit too erratic, any matchup between 1 through 10 could have the lower seed upsetting them. I mean, the Hawks went to the Eastern Conference Finals last mm-hmm. year, mm-hmm. and I, they're in the 10 slot right now, so they may not even get in. But I could see the Hawks getting on a run and winning a series. I could see, obviously, I, I think Brooklyn can. The Raptors have enough talent to win. I believe in your Celtics. I believe in the Bucs. Um, Cleveland, I don't think they would win, but they're in the four spot now. So I think from right, for right now, the East is, is pretty stacked, but it's pretty wide open. I don't think there's a consensus real favorite right now. I mean, we can think, like, you have the Sixers who you think is the best. I think, you know, Miami and Milwaukee are the two best. But it wouldn't surprise me if they don't go and if somebody else does go. So I think that's going to make for the NBA Eastern Conference. Hopefully their playoffs will be like the NFL playoffs or this year where everything was so riveting. Now let's get to the West. In the West, I think Phoenix suffered a a big injury with Chris Paul's broken Mm -hmm. uh, finger, suffered right before the All-Star game. He's going to be out six to eight weeks, which essentially is the rest of the regular season. So the question remains... Do they have a big enough cushion now to hold off Golden State? Uh, It's five and a half games as of right now. Phoenix lost a tough one today to Utah. Golden State is winning right now over over the Mavericks. Um, I still think it's a two-team race. Even if the Grizzlies continue to play really, really good ball, they're there in the third spot and Utah is in the fourth spot. But assuming Chris Paul comes back healthy, and this could be a blessing in disguise, Mm -hmm. giving his 37-year-old legs eight weeks, six to eight weeks of rest heading into the playoffs could be a blessing in disguise. How do you see the West though, Ernie? Yeah, I still think it's a two-team race on top of there. Uh, actually, you know what? I'll, 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 I'll give props to Memphis. I think Memphis, you know, if they continue on their, their merry ways, I think they can still, uh, you know, provide, uh, you know, some push over there. Phoenix, as you said, missing Chris Paul. They'll def- they've already lost two in a row. Uh, without him, I, I, you know, who knows how that situation is going to turn out. But uh, if I'm taking this under consideration that everyone's going to be healthy going into the playoffs, I, it's, it's Phoenix and Golden State. You, to me, you have an outside chance with the Dallas Mavericks. I, I really think Luca can, uh, pro, he, in, in any series, I think he's the type of guy who can, who can just go off. Uh, like you said, Memphis is a little too young on top. Uh, as far as giving them any challenges uh, 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 into the uh, going far into the playoffs, my me- my mention to Memphis being up there is 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 just basically for for seeding purposes. But you know, I would put Phoenix, Golden State, maybe Dallas, then the Utah Jazz over there. I don't think and un- unlike the East uh, playing tournament, I don't think anybody from seven to ten is gonna survive past the first round. No, I mean, I agree. And you have some big names there with the Clippers and the Lakers. Right. And we'll get to the Lakers in a little bit. But I think, you know, where two weeks ago, I thought, you know, we talked about it where you were like, the East is stacked right now. And they are. But if you look at the Western Conference records now, you know, you have Phoenix and Golden State with the two best records in the league. And from three to six, they are at least as good as three to six in the East now. You have the Denver Nuggets on a five-game winning streak, and Jokic continues to amaze for me. Mm -hmm. The fact that they're now 35 and 25, and he doesn't have his second and third best players is just remarkable. Uh, You mentioned Luka. Luka can win a series by himself, and right now, in the fifth spot, he would open with Utah. Would it shock me if Dallas upset Utah? No, because Luka would be the best player on the court, and, and anything can happen there. Uh, Utah is what Utah is, though. They're going to be good all the way to the end, and then we'll see. Memphis continues to marvel. I mean, I'm a huge John Morant fan, but they're more than just John Morant. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, he's still an MVP candidate, but they are getting the most out of every single one of their players. And at 42 and 20, I just think it is remarkable what they've done so far this year to be in that third spot. But it's going to come down to me. If they're healthy to Golden State and Phoenix, I don't see anyone being able to handle the firepower of either of those two teams if they're healthy. Um, And that would be an incredible series if it gets down to to Phoenix versus Golden State. But one of the teams that we're not going to have to worry about, well, two of the teams that we're not going to have to worry about is where I want to go here. First, I want to talk about the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, Some talk this week when uh, J.J. Reddick came out 
ripping Zion, you know, as a former teammate, mm-hmm. vir- you know, virtually saying that he's aloof and detached from the teams when things don't go well. Uh, he's not a leader, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, pre- I mean and that's from a fellow Dookie, mm-hmm. you know, so they have that brotherhood there um, that he's really trying to call him out, I think, for Zion's benefit. Um, but then C.J. McCollum, which was shocking to me, C.J. McCollum hasn't even spoken to Zion yet. He's been there now for almost three weeks. Uh, Zion apparently is training by himself in Portland, uh, away from the team. Uh, Ernie, that's just a weird situation. I mean, we talked about it a couple weeks ago about his weight and his injury, um, but that's something completely separate. What's happening with him being upset with the team and, and not trusting the team and being away from the team? That's just, to me, a bad look for him. I mean, it kind of goes back to the whole Ben Simmons situation. If Zion is trying to get traded, the thing to do is not to separate yourself in another state and then get gain weight. I heard he's up to 317 pounds. Oh, my goodness. Um, that's just not the way to do it. Because if I'm a team, I'm not going to trade for Zion in that condition, knowing that he's missed 60% of his game so far as an NBA player. I mean, what are your thoughts on Zion and the situation with the Pelicans right yeah, now? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I trust J.J. Redick. I mean, he brings out, you know, I, I, I love his interviews and everything like that. And I think he's true to the best. I mean, like you said, why would he, why would he bash a, a fellow Dookie? Uh, you know, like that, if, if, if not to just maybe spark something under under mm-hmm. him, you know, light a fire on the guy because he's definitely, I think he's just, he's handling it, this whole situation, uh, in a in a, to me, in a very immature and selfish way. Uh, he's got that big contract and he could stand to lose millions and millions and millions because, you know what? The, the guy has the world of potential. And if somebody offered me, you know, okay, lose 50 pounds and I'll give you $50 million, you know, that should be motivation enough. Not, you know, and that, to me, on top of that, he can be a trend, he could be a generational player. You know, the, the type of athleticism that this guy possesses is, is unreal. I mean, he, he is... He is Charles Barkley to the nth degree, in my opinion. And even though Charles Barkley didn't win an NBA championship, this guy certainly can. You can build around this guy because he demands at least a double team. I mean, his percentage, shooting percentage inside the paint is is historical. And he's not even a center, you know. And But he, to me, he's, he's, he's throwing it all away uh, at the very least. He's not in communication with the people, uh, you know, that can actually give him better advice. I'm not sure who he's getting his advice from, or maybe they offered him advice and he just doesn't want to listen to it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what it is. And one of the one of the beauties of Zion, one of the things that made him so popular, is his charisma, that mm. smile, that energy that he that he always exuded. That's just not there anymore. I mean, he's sulking. Um, you know, he's unhappy. Now, why is that? I mean, there could be legitimate reasons for that. I mean, we know that the Pelicans don't have the greatest history with star players. I mean, Chris Paul wanted out desperately when he was there. Then AD wanted out desperately when he was there. Um, but at least they were there for six to eight years before they wanted out. I mean, Zion has been, seems like he's had one foot out the door from the very, very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't get it. And one one group of people that may be a little nervous right now because right now Zion's on his rookie deal. I mean, he has a lot to to lose, you know, when it's time to get his option or or sign a, an extension because right now I don't know how you can extend him at max money when you don't even know if he's going to play. But man, Nike, they went all in on Zion with the with the almost $200 million shoe deal and right now they're not getting anything for their investment and that's a 10-year contract if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I don't think you can cut somebody. I think that's probably a guaranteed contract there. So, um, but man, I love me some Zion. I just wish he gets it together. Um, not only for the Pelican's sake, but for his sake. You know, be happy, get in shape, and maximize your ability both on and off the court. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, to me, that's just it's 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 a waste. It's a, it's a it's a waste, and it's shame. I mean, to have a talent like that go where and. 
un unfortunately, I, I predict, we, we predicted this. I mean, we predicted this early, uh, you know, during the draft part. And boy, I wish I was wrong. I really wish I was wrong. But it's, it's coming to fruition. Yeah, I mean, and, and when, if you're a Pelican fan and you see what John Moran is doing now, not that it was anybody, was anyone saying that John Moran should be taken over Zion, but after the fact now, you take a look at the situation, you see what John Moran is doing, and you see how little Zion is playing, I'm sure that is crossing people's mind, just like it is in Miami that they didn't take Justin Herbert. But <laughs> let's talk about my Lakers. I mean, of course, we're making lots of noise again. Uh, earlier in the week, LeBron James apparently is not happy that the Lakers didn't do anything at the tra trade deadline. Uh, he was hoping that they would get rid of Russell Westbrook um, and the number one pick in 2027 to go and get you know, uh, a John Wall from, from the Rockets or to do something to improve the team. Um, supposedly, they hash things out this week. He definitely wants to stay a Laker. But Ernie, this is what I want to talk about. Okay. Right now, the Lakers are not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. As currently constructed, they're a mess. Mm -hmm. um, I think two years ago when AD came on and we won the championship, I think the expectation was by now AD was going to be the star and LeBron would be the secondary player. That has not happened. AD's out again. AD, it comes out today that he's still expected to miss another four to five weeks, meaning he's going to miss the rest of the regular season at least. Um, so the chances of the Lakers even making the playoffs at this point in time seem relatively slim uh, to me. So how, as a Laker fan, do we improve the Lakers situation going forward? Okay, so here's my suggestion. They have two assets, LeBron James, really, and Anthony Davis. I'd trade both. I would trade <laughs> both of them in the offseason. Now, LeBron can still bring you some talent. He would, have to, he would be very picky on where he'd want to go. He'd want to go to a particular team. Maybe he'd want to go back to Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland is sitting there in the four spot, you know, so maybe the Lakers can extract a Darius Garland or or somebody else, not Evan Mobley, they're not gonna give him up, but maybe the Lakers can get a younger, talented player and some assets for LeBron James. Or maybe somebody like the Golden State Warriors who would give, can you imagine Curry, Clay, LeBron, uh, Draymond, all on the same team? I mean, that would be spectacular. So could Golden State give up a Kaminga, a Poole, a Moody, a Wiseman, Players that they're not really counting on now that the Lakers can start from scratch again and build with. Um, I don't know. But I think as currently constructed and the amount of salaries that they have, LeBron, AD, and Westbrook are all making 40 to $45 million a year. There's no room to bring someone in. Right. There's no assets to trade to upgrade the overall talent of your team. I think it's time to throw in the towel. If we're going to be in the 7, or 8, 9, 10 spot anyway, it's time to leverage the only assets we have to bring in future assets to me. You want a title. LeBron doesn't like to not play for titles. He's not going to be happy in this situation. And if they keep losing, which they're going to keep losing as currently constructed, he's just going to get more miserable and more miserable and more vocal. Um, I would trade him. I would trade AD uh, because... I think it's pretty clear that you're not going to be able to trust AD. I don't think you're going to get anything in return like you would have gotten, like what the Lakers have to give up to get him. Mm -hmm. There's no way they're going to get anything close to that for Anthony Davis now. But again, at this point in time, with his injury history, I think the, the key thing is to just get out from under his contract. You know, get out from under LeBron's contract somehow. Get out from under AD's contract. Save that money. I joke about this all the time, but save that money for Luca or for the next group of superstars that's going to be coming to be free agents in the next two to three years that would be attracted to what LA can give to you. LeBron James came to Los Angeles three years ago with a net worth of $400 million. He's now worth $800 million. His net worth has doubled in the three years that he's been in LA because of all of the business that can happen. So if you're a young player like a Luca, a John Morant, or somebody else, that becomes extremely attractive. And if the Lakers have salary cap to go out and get these players, I think that's the way to do it. So 
I know if you're a Laker lover and you, you don't want to settle for nothing but championships, you think I'm absolutely insane to offer these two pieces of advice. But at this point in time, we have two assets that take up $90 million because we're not going to get nothing from Russell Westbrook. You know, we're going to have to eat him and play with him for one more year. He has one more year in his contract and then he can go away. Um, but that's what I would do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would do that in the offseason. I would see what we can get for LeBron. And I think you can get a lot for LeBron because he still has two more great years. And if he's with a great team, even Philadelphia, if you put him with Embiid and Harden, I mean, they would be dominant. I don't know who the Lakers would get in return, maybe draft capital or even with your Celtics. I mean... Nah, they play the same <laughs> position, so I don't think I don't think he would match there. But I do think the places like Golden State, or even a situation as much as this would pain me to do, a swap of Kawhi and LeBron. So LeBron stays in LA, Kawhi mm -hmm. stays in LA. Kawhi doesn't have to play with LeBron. Maybe they switch places, um, and we go from there. Not that that makes the Lakers any much any more improved. Um, but anyway, that, that's just my thought. I think AD, his time has come and gone. I think he's not getting any younger and he can't stay healthy. And, and this year, it's not his fault. He had somebody fall into his knee and then he landed awkwardly on his ankle. But for whatever the reason, you know, he's always out. Mm -hmm. and, and from that, I'm ready to start <laughs> over. You know why? Because the Rams won the Super Bowl so I can sacrifice the Lakers in the short run. I mean, that's my thought. Am I crazy or anything? Uh, no, I don't think you're crazy. I, I, I mean, I sense the frustration uh, in you representing all LA Lakers fans because it's going to be, I mean, in its current construction, uh, it's going to get worse before it gets better. They're going to have to do something. And I, 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 I'm not sure how the fan base is going to tolerate this. Uh, but in reality, I got to I gotta think that, you know, Jeannie Buss sticks with LeBron. I mean, she she has that type of uh, commitment. I think Palinka is out. I think the bridges have been burned on top of that. Uh, I think she brings in somebody who, who caters to LeBron for one more season. Unfortunately, I think in the long run, it's going to kill the, the franchise as far as, you know, how long they can, it's going to take for them to be contenders again. I really think that they can unload Westbrook in some form or fashion. The only way they unload Westbrook would be in a situation where they give up a draft pick or maybe attach yeah. him to LeBron or AD. Oh, well, I, I think I think what they're gonna do is they're gonna give they're gonna give cash and and, and they gotta give up a draft pick and right. maybe even some players on top of that. But that contract is just that's debilitating right now. I mean, I I, I think they gotta get out of that contract. I think that's the first thing they, that uh, they're gonna have to do. I think they ride with just you know the dynamic duo for one more year, and then we'll see what happens after that. Uh, I just have an eerie feeling that they stick with LeBron. LeBron is going to demand something. I think they give in to LeBron's demands, and unfortunately, you're oh, late. Then it will be really ragey next year if that's yeah. the case. Well, I, well even yeah. if you keep LeBron, which, which I would get. I mean, he's still, you can count on him. Then you got to trade AD. I mean, you got to see what you can get you know, from, from Anthony Davis and, and surround LeBron. What the Lakers cannot do is give up on people like Austin Reeves, Malik Monk, mm. yeah, um, even THT. I mean, he made the decision to let Caruso go to keep THT. You can't just give him away now, you know. So you have to have some of these youth uh, here that you can develop unless you can go up and get another superstar type player. So even an Anthony Davis, you know, would make a lot of sense with the Golden State Warriors. You know, but you're not going to get the same return that you get for LeBron. But even if you can get like a Kuminga uh, and a pool or, or somebody along those lines, I would do that. And a mm -hmm. wise man, I would make that trade if, I, if I'm the Lakers. So as currently constructed, the Lakers are going to go nowhere. Um, again, like I told you guys, I haven't really watched a full Laker game all year. And I don't intend to for the rest of this year. I need to keep my sanity. Uh, and I, when I try to watch them, it's just so frustrating. You want to throw something at the TV. So I'm giving up on them. Um, I'm going to watch the NBA from a very relaxed perspective this year without anything vested because all my stress came from the NFL season. So I'm going to relax going into the NBA. But anything else in the NBA you wanted to touch on, Ernie? No, I mean, well, uh, what's heating up right now, I think we're coming off the All-Star game. And to me, it's just a matter of basically who stays healthy 
during this stretch. I think that's going to play a big, especially in the East, I think that's going to be play a big uh, part in because everybody's just bunched up together. Like you said, you know, one through one through uh, one through six is a matter of five games, 20 games left. Whoever's the most healthiest and can maximize their opportunities with, with you know, with that current, with, with their, with their healthy roster. Uh, we'll, you know, see where the seating stand in, in, in the West. I, like I said, it's, it's, it's the Suns and the Warriors and, uh, you know, Maybe, maybe, maybe Memphis as far as the early part and Dallas in the playoffs. All right, so let's transition and stay within basketball to the NCAA. And gang, if you follow NCAA basketball, yesterday was historical. I mean, it's only February the 26th yesterday. It was Saturday the 26th. But what happened was absolute madness. It was as if March Madness had come early. Ernie, the top six teams in the nation all on the road, all lose on the same day for the first time in history. It was just mind-boggling. Yeah, including number nine, uh, Texas Tech. They, uh, yeah, they, 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 they too, they lost too. So there were seven top 10 teams that went down, including number one, Gonzaga at St. Mary's. I mean, St. Mary's dominated from the get-go. Mm. The Gonzaga did not have the energy. Uh, St. Mary's had the energy, and Gonzaga could not get you know closer than six points the whole game. Yeah, it I, started off six zero, and they never got within six points the whole game. It, it didn't look like a normal Gonzaga team defensively, in my opinion, because I I saw a lot of open shots for St. Mary's, and St. Mary's is the twenty third ranked team in the nation, so you know they're no pushover. You leave wide open shots like that. You're gonna lose. Yeah, and Drew know? Timmy played his worst game that I can remember. Yeah, he, he was, was 0 for 8 in the first he, half. He was terrible. He was 2 for 10 for the game. Um, and he was missing shots that he normally would hit. And then he started pressing and throwing up shots that he normally wouldn't take. Um, give credit to St. Mary's, though. I mean, their crowd was bananas. They went crazy. They won the game. Uh, Gonzaga had nothing to, to prove in that game, and it showed. Yeah. You know, they and maybe this is a blessing in disguise because they've been romping everybody by 27 points a game since their last loss to Alabama in early December. Um, maybe this is the wake up call that they needed. Um, but the rest of the losses, I think, are legitimate. I mean, Auburn losing at Tennessee, uh, Purdue losing at Michigan State, I think are all legitimate type losses. Uh, Arizona losing at Colorado. I mean, Colorado is a fringe tournament team on the outside looking in at this point. That was a little surprising, mm-hmm. and they got romped. Um, but Kentucky losing, you know, at Arkansas, not that surprising, you no, know, with Ar- that one as well, because Arkansas is on a roll. They are on. That is my sleeper. I mean, they, the way, if if the season starting in in January, Arkansas would definitely be in the top ten right now. They're playing terrific ball. They 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 beaten Kentucky. They beaten Tennessee. They beaten Auburn. I mean, they're they're legit. No, they are. I mean, let's not forget, they made it to the Elite Eight last year yeah. and they have almost everybody back. Um, I, I do think that they're, they're a, well, a very formidable yeah. team going forward. So it is going to be complete chaos. Conference tournaments start this weekend already. The, the first set of tournaments start this weekend. Uh, we are one and a half weeks away from the release of the Field of 68. It's going to be anyone's ballgame. There is no Nobody. clear. Last year, it was pretty clear that Gonzaga and Baylor were head and shoulders. It looked like they were head and shoulders above everyone else. They proved to be. They played in the finals. But this year, it could be anyone. Yeah. I mean, this could be the, the year where no number ones make the final four, and it wouldn't be shocking. I'll, I'll agree with you on top of that. I mean, I'm looking at like a, like a Purdue to come out. Maybe I think right now they're projected as a three or four seed when, in whatever division they're placed in. Uh, like I, I mentioned earlier, Arkansas is playing terrific ball. You know, maybe they're, maybe in the second, I like, I like Duke. Duke has that emotional, uh, you know, showing with uh, Krzyzewski being in his final year. What a way to send him out. They can send him out with a national championship. So I agree with you. I mean, right now, if you're sitting in that number one, uh, looking at that in that number one seed, uh, this this might not be the year for you. Yeah, I mean, it could be, I mean, really, it could be any of 25, 30 teams at this point that can get hot. And I mean, that's just how 
how the season has pulled off. So one team that may not even get into the tournament is my Michigan Wolverines. Mm. I mean, it's been a struggle all year. I, I think wonder why. <laughs> last year they made it to the to the Elite Eight. They had huge expectations with the number one recruiting class in the nation coming in. Uh, it's been a disappointing season by any stretch of the imagination, and it was compounded last weekend when Juwan loses his mind again, throws an open-handed punch slap at a Wisconsin coach, gets suspended for the rest of the season. So I am a Juwan fan. I am a huge Michigan fan. He needed to be suspended. I'm not sure what is going on with Juwan, but he almost had a near altercation with the coach last year. In the middle of the court, he got ejected, almost fighting with the Maryland coach or verbally fighting with the Maryland coach. The game before the Wisconsin, he gets two technical fouls at Iowa, gets ejected from that game. Uh, and then in this particular situation, he gets upset because they call a timeout with 15 seconds left. Uh, and the guy is trying to explain to him. Yeah, and, and then he, he you know, Jamon always resorts, to, I'm from the south side of Chicago, so when you touch me, I feel like I have to defend myself. Jawan, you're a grown man. You're almost 50 years old. You're a professional. You're a prof You're not in the south side of Chicago anymore. Mm -hmm. You're not on the streets. And you're representing a university and you're representing your players. And what was the most tragic part of that is not that he got suspended, but because he throws a punch, it creates a melee and two of his players get suspended because they feel like they have to defend their coach mm -hmm. and they start throwing punches. So you have D uh, Diabate and Terrence Williams also suspended for one game. Fortunately, Michigan won that game, although they, got, uh, they lost to Illinois today. But I, I was very, very disappointed in Jawan Howard. I thought being suspended for the rest of the regular season, which amounts to five games, is pretty easy considering what he did. And this has to be the last time. Any more instances of him leading to some kind of a fracas or being unprofessional is going to have to result in his firing. As disappointed as that would make me as a huge Fab Five guy, because uh, I believe he's a great recruiter, I believe he loves, absolutely loves the university and is great for his players, you just can't do that. I mean, you just can't, not at, the, not at this level. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm trying to think back uh, on you know, volatile coaches. I'm trying to think of Bobby Knight from Indiana. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can't even remember that other coach from Temple. He had a temper too. Uh, John Chaney. John Chaney had a he had he. I remember him and John Calipari almost going to fisticuffs at one point in in time. Uh, but you're right. And in, in this in this day and age, uh, no matter what happened, I mean, Greg Gard. For all of you who who saw the incident, probably just saw bits uh, clips. I mean, he. Uh, this happened way before the line, uh, the shaking of hands started. I mean, from all the information, all the things that I've read, it started when Juwan Howard, the game was not in question anymore. The, uh, Wisconsin was going to win. Uh, Juwan Howard uh, writes up a full court press, and because he does a full court press, Guard calls a timeout, and that's why Jawan is mad. To me, Jawan, <laughs> you started it. You instigated it. Yeah. You should have had a full court press when you were down by close to 20 points with so many minutes left. I mean, that's 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 on you. Yeah. I mean, but I, I think the narrative right now is that, okay, guard, you know, called a timeout, which is uh, supposedly one of those unwritten rules. You know, that's why he's all pissed off. So to me, this is this 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 comes down to a lot of ego. Guard should not have touched him. He tried to explain uh, why why he did what he did, but he should not have touched uh, Jawan. So to me, uh, on both sides, there's a lot of blame to go around on top of this whole thing. But at the bottom line is, you cannot take a punch and, and you cannot swing at anyone. And, and and you're right. I mean, Jawan said he wasn't a full court press. It was a man to man. It was a full court man. But it doesn't matter. If you want to play to the end, there's nothing wrong with playing to the end. Now, guard probably got irritated at that and wanted to spite him by calling a timeout. Um, semantics, but like a lot of the announcers said, just coach your own team. You know, Joanne, if you want to pressure to right. the end in a game that you're down by 14, 15 points with 15 seconds left, so be it. I mean, that's your choice. That's you're coaching your team to the end. If he wants to call a timeout to reset the 10 second clock, then that's his choice as well. So to get that upset, um, 
Now, to Juwan's credit, he did just try to pass him in the line without shaking hands and just being mad. And then Guard did stop him to try to explain himself, um, which triggered what happened. But <laughs> John's got to be better. He, I mean, he has to. I mean, he is, by all accounts, he is a compassionate, loving human being that tr cares tremendously about his players. For whatever reason, though, he has this trigger um, and that's got to go away or else Jawan's not going to be the Michigan coach for very much longer, how, how, which would be a travesty for the Michigan program. Yeah, I mean, go, going on Wisconsin side, how do you feel about, uh, you know, guard? Well, I mean... Does, does he deserve... Uh, I, I, I think that because him touching him escalated it a little bit more, I thought that he should have been disciplined in some way. A suspension? Probably not. I don't think it warranted a suspension. But Jermon was also fined. Mm -hmm. you know. So I think fining him like ten, fifteen thousand dollars um, would have been appropriate. But I, I don't have a really strong say. I don't think he did anything terribly wrong. Yeah. He just wanted to talk to him and tried to stop him to talk to him. Yeah. I think he learned his lesson that he's never going to do that again. Um, but Jawan has to be better. Yeah, I mean, Jawan has to be better. So I agree. Does not look. It looks like my Michigan Wolverines are going the route of my Los Angeles Lakers. But at least I still have the Gonzaga Bulldogs that look like they're going to still be at worst still a number one seed in some capacity unless they lose in the West Coast Conference tournament next weekend. But gosh, it's anyone's ball game. I mean, it really, it really is. Yeah. You have the West Coast Conference that's going to have just as many teams in the tournament as the Pac-12. Um, I love it. I mean, it's parody. It, it's it's going to be an exciting it's, March it, Madness. It's gonna. It's that's what's going to be. It's going to be madness. I mean, then the, you know one team I forgot to mention uh, earlier in the segment is UCLA. I mean, they're, they're they got everybody coming back, and they're, they're a seasoned crew. They know how to play at that time, and if if they get on a hot streak, look out for them too. Yeah, because they've been a, dis a relative disappointment, yes. I think, during the regular yes. season because they just seem to be in that rut that they were in all the last year. And then they turned it around as a nine seed, I believe they were last year, or an eight or a nine seed and went all the way to the final four. You know, a miracle shot you know, away from getting to the finals. One of the best games. Yeah, that, that, you know, that you can ever see. Yeah. So, I mean, they certainly have the, the makeup and the experience to get back again. It's just a matter of... Who's going to get hot? Who's going to stay healthy? Uh, who's going to hit the shots to get it there? So March Madness for me, uh, shockingly, because how much have I talked about the Los Angeles Rams? You must think that I'm a psychotic NFL fan. <laughs> I am this year. But March Madness for me is the most fun time of the entire year because I love the, the pageantry, the excitement, the drama of March Madness. Yeah, I, I do too. Oh, I mean, opening the uh, the opening games, uh, I really enjoy it. And then when it gets down to like the Sweet Sixteen, I, I I like that part too because that's when the uh, you know the the first the first the opening games is you just you're looking for the upsets. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just such a feel good story. And then when it comes down to the Sweet Sixteen, I mean, that's when the cream starts to rise. Yeah, and yes. then you normally get the cream rises rising to the top by the time you get to the Final Four. Yeah. But maybe not this year. Yeah. Maybe not this year. So, Ernie, let's talk a little bit about the Major League Baseball situation. There's not a whole lot to talk about because they've been locked out since the beginning of December. And the only thing that I really want to comment about right now, especially in light of what's going on in the world, mm -hmm. I think when you, when you think big picture and, and you see what's going on with Russia invading Ukraine and, and the Ukraine people doing everything that they can to, to fight to defend their country... To see owners and players fighting when they're all making tens of hundreds of millions of dollars can be very put, it can put off a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I think with Major League Baseball, they've fallen so far in terms of the public's clamoring for sports. Um, they really have. When, when I was growing up, baseball was the national pastime. Baseball was the most popular sport even more than the NFL way back in the 70s. Um, since then, they've fallen dramatically. Yeah, yeah. You know, the NFL rules the world. Uh, NBA is more popular than Major League Baseball, and it continues to, 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 to decline. And one of the things that Major League Baseball always has is that time after the NFL season ends, before you get to the NBA playoffs and uh, March Madness, spring training where all you talk about is what's going on in spring training, who's with the new teams, which teams are going to do well, 
all of the focus for that one month is really around Major League Baseball leading into the start of the season. That's all gone now. So if they don't agree by tomorrow, Monday the 28th, the Major League Baseball said they're going to start to cancel regular season games. So if they're going to start to cancel regular season games, now you're going to start the season maybe in May, maybe in June, dead set in the heart of the NBA playoffs. At worst, maybe it goes later. Now you're talking about the beginning of the NFL season. Mm -hmm. And if they don't start before or they're not in the middle of the baseball season before you get to the NBA, I mean, the, the NFL starting the season, nobody's going to care. I mean, this could be a catastrophic decision that these people are, are making. Um, and I know the players say it's not billionaires against millionaires. We just want our fair share. I get that. I'm not, I'm not saying it's the player's fault or the owner's fault. I'm saying stop being greedy and just work this out because you are really risking public sentiment going against Major League Baseball. I agree with you on top of that. I mean, it just seems such... Yeah, it seems, you know, you know, when you look at it at that perspective, you know, when you're looking at what's happening in the world right now from that perspective, and when you're really playing a game that, you know, most people would do just for fun, you know, I mean, I, 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 me, if, if I were to play a sport, you know, my, my favorite, my favorite pastimes, uh, you know, for, for one one hundredth of what professional players get, I mean, that, I mean, I'd be happy, I'd be a happy person, NBA G Leaguers, I mean, if we got, you know, those guys make less than $100,000 uh, a year. I mean, uh, to me, that's a dream. That's a dream. So when you're talking about, yeah, millionaires versus billionaires, it, it's, uh, yeah, from that perspective, it just seems so petty. Especially with a sport with waning popularity. And I love baseball. I mean, I grew up, baseball was my favorite sport. Like I said, I love baseball. And there's nothing quite like the, the drama of playoffs baseball. It, it, um, but they are making a big mistake right now they're letting go their opportunity to hold the public's focus and to capture the attention of the sports world and doing nothing with it and the longer they wait they get into the heart of the nba playoffs like i said and god forbid they go into the nfl because everybody cares more about the nfl draft and the nfl preseason than they do about major league baseball i think that's pretty clear mm -hmm. I agree. All right, so let's transition into my closing thought. And I don't have anything dramatic. And, and this closing thought, honestly, was more predicated on what I wanted to talk about a couple of weeks ago. And I'm going to go back to my Los Angeles Rams uh, and Sean McVay. I mean, there were a lot of talk Super Bowl week about whether Sean McVay was going to get burned out and go into the, the booth uh, already at 35, 36 years old. A lot of talk about AD, you know, retiring. Now, AD apparently is, is going to come back. He hasn't made any public announcements, but it's been widely known that one week after the Super Bowl, he was in the facilities working out like a madman already. So all, all indications are that he's going to come back. And McVay did come out this weekend and say he is coming back for sure. He's not going to be entertaining any offers. Now, what I wanted to talk about is the pressure that Sean McVay and the Los Angeles Rams in particular were under, but especially Sean McVay. Because of the changes that they make and how aggressive they are in how they handle their business by going out and getting people, all year long, all year long, it was win the Super Bowl or you're a failure. Win the Super Bowl or you're a failure. Win the Super Bowl or you're a failure. So as a head coach, that is a massive burden to bear. Where any failure, it's like being a doctor who is a heart surgeon and every every surgery he performs he has to save the person's life because if he loses one patient he's a failure we know that that's not true that's not how you would judge a doctor but that's the pressure that was being put up upon the los angeles rams in general and sean McVay. so i can see how that overwhelming pressure where you feel a sense of i'm going to be considered a failure if we don't win this can really drag you down and really make you feel as if this is just not worth it. This is just too much stress. This is, this is too much time. I'm spending 10, 15 hours a day uh, preparing. So I get it. I get how he was so stressed out and, and maybe getting burnt out. But this is what I'm hopeful for as a Los Angeles Rams fan. Once you win the chip, that pressure is now gone. So now, hopefully, he can enjoy coaching just for coaching because he's got his title already. 
Um, and I'm hoping that that's what's going to happen and he'll stay for not only one more year, but at least until he's 40 um, and, and put together a string of years. But I just, Ernie, I guess my point is that the way the media perceives things, and this happened all the way up until the Super Bowl. I mean, if you watched ESPN, if you watched Fox, Ryan Clark, anybody but Dan Orlovsky with ESPN, everyone was like, this is the, what the Rams are constructed to do. If they don't win the Super Bowl, it's a failure. If you don't win this game, it's a failure. It's a failure for Stafford. It's a failure for the Rams. And that is a tremendous burden, a tremendous amount of pressure. So it doesn't surprise me in the least bit that he was overwhelmed, that he was burnt out. I'm hoping now that you've won one, you can enjoy the process. You can enjoy coaching, knowing that you've already accomplished your goal, going to two Super Bowls and winning one. So that's kind of my thought. I just think the way the media is, is oftentimes you build people up to tear them down. And I think that was a situation. He was the golden child for a few years. And then it became, you still haven't won. Now you're bringing in all these players. If you don't win this game, then you're a failure. Uh, and it didn't help that Shanahan was eating his clock, you know, for the last three years. Um, but I'm hopeful that winning one seems to have relieved that pressure, that and a couple kegs of beer. And hopefully he'll be back, uh, not only for the next year, but for the next few years. So I just wanted to make that comment. Yeah, I mean, expectations aren't expectations. I mean... But they can burn you out. Yeah, I it, mean, it, in any occupation, it, they can burn you out. It is. And I, and I think when, when, when you start listening to the media, I mean, I think it's different today than it was, let's say, 25 years ago, prior to social media and whatnot. I, I think it's uh, everything is immediate. It's at your fingertips right now. Uh, it's definitely much more now, like I said, than it was 20 years ago. But I think what you, you as... Uh, as a player, as a coach, or whatever you might be in, in top of that, I mean, I think you just got to shut yourself off from that media. I, I, I mean, to me, if you fall burdened to, to, those, to that type of scrutiny, it's more or less you're listening to, to the media. Well, I think, you try, I think you try to get away from it, and you can control what you can control, but they also have to face the media on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And if you're asked that constantly, day after day after day, um, it can wear on you. I mean, it, it's a it's a tremendous amount of pressure. So I'm fine. I'm I'm really happy they got the monkey off the back. But in any profession, I mean, expectations are going to be there. If you're the best, you know, you're going to expect the best results. But it's unrealistic to say. I guess my point is, are have we become the point in our society where there is only one successful person, and the rest are failures if they don't achieve a certain level, and that just doesn't make sense yeah, to me. Stop. You know, there are a lot. The Bengals, to me, are a tremendous success. The fact that they didn't win the Super Bowl does not make them a failure. I thought they were a tremendous mm -hmm. success this year. I agree. And there are so many other teams that we can say that about. But in this situation with the Rams, it was if they hadn't won this, they would be considered a failure at this point in time. And it would be a disappointment. And that's tough. I mean, it's the reality of, of the world we live in, but that's a tough perspective to face on a daily basis. It, it is, especially when I think about, you know, if, if, if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers guarded Cooper Cup on that long pass, it would have been that just that on that one play. If it didn't happen that way, who knows, you know? So, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you're, when you live in that type of profession, you know, when it, it's okay when you can control the things that you can control, but when it's in other people's hands, multiple people's hands, uh, that and, and in that instance, a one play can actually make or break you. I mean, yeah, it's that's 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 tough. It, it is tough. I mean, I, I'm not. I mean, it's always better to have the expectations. That means you're in a good situation and you have a chance to win. Um, and I'm not saying that the Rams shouldn't have expectations. What I'm saying is I understand how that can be a tremendous mental exhaustion and a mental burden that would get you to the point when you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know how much more of this I can take. <laughs> Fortunately for you, with your Celtics, you don't have those kinds of expectations, so you don't have to really worry about that. Uh, any, anything else you want to cover, Ernie? No, I'm good for this week. All right, gang, so that wraps up our show. We talked a little bit about the NFL, a lot about the NBA, a lot happening right now. It's still anybody's ball game in the NBA. In the NCAA, the most miraculous Saturday ever with the top six teams going down. Is that a preview of what we can expect for March Madness? Ernie and I both think that this could be the year that you have a shocking national champion coming out of the blue to win. Major League Baseball making a catastrophic mistake with this lockout, not getting things in action when everybody else is off. 
And of course, Sean McVay coming back after absorbing so much pressure. But gang, we're interested to know what you think. So check us out on social media. Tell us what you think. Anything that you want to talk about, do you agree or disagree with us? Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook. Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. And until next week, when March Madness begins, the Sports Rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear. Thank you.